0: 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3.
1: Money FM eighty nine point three twelve to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time to check in with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way in Brisbane, to get up to date with all the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, first up, how are you today? And secondly, what's the reaction about the COP26 agreement? Hey, Adrian, I'm pretty
0: well. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment, wasn't it really, the COP26 uh, agreement for many people. And I guess the big thing that stood out here was the agreement to phase down coal, not to phase it out. And Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, has been uh, talking about what happened. Uh, Of course, he did travel to Glasgow as well. And also the Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce, from the party that represents the farmers, uh, the rural community. Barnaby Joyce, he represents the National Party and. He says, you know, the world's buying coal. You've got record prices and record volumes. There's a market for it. And he spoke uh, actually at a coal mine in Singleton in the Hunter Valley. And he says, if they say the world is transitioning away from coal, well, you see, see that in the port of Newcastle and you see it in the port of Gladstone. It's not happening. These are two big ports in Australia that... Uh, are showing that coal is very much in demand because uh, we've seen China with a, a lack of coal they're actually using Australian coal again so Australia won't move on its 2030 target that's despite a global call so I'd say for people who are environmentalists very disappointing what came out of uh, COP26 but for the farmers and the people in the rural part of Australia they're probably relieved that uh, you know coal will continue to be their livelihood for some time yet
1: Yeah, A couple of interesting memes going around. I saw one about a a man in Australia who said he's going to phase out drinking in the next 30 years, but nothing will change right now. uh, But as it gets closer to that time, and by that time, he will be more than 100 years old. Let's talk about Western Australia real quick and how the federal government, you know, there's a little bit of a spat regarding borders reopening. Jason, what's happening here?
0: Yes. Well, Mark McGowan is the Premier of Western Australia, who's done a really good job managing coronavirus in the state of Western Australia. And many of uh, your listeners have connections to Perth. So they're probably, you know, making regular trips, at least before the pandemic, down to Western Australia. But he's rejected a a call from Greg Hunt, who's a federal minister. He actually spoke on the ABC, the organisation that I work for. He He was saying that WA's border reopening could coincide with the cricket test, the ashes in Perth, which is scheduled to start on January the 14th and that's not that far away but uh, the WA transition plan was always that the hard border wouldn't reopen until late January or early February you know and that's depending on vaccination levels you know they were we're talking about 80 percent but some people have even said 90 percent would be a safe time to open but you know when we look at what's happened in Western Australia they've only had nine deaths you know over the entire course of the coronavirus pandemic. So they've done a really, really good job. So there's this tension between the federal government, which is the conservative Liberal National Party of Scott Morrison, and the Labor government, which is a bit more kind of, I guess, you'd say centre to left wing, of um, Mark McGowan. And we've seen that across Australia, whether it's Queensland, whether it's Western Australia, Victoria, there is that tension between the state premiers and the prime minister and the federal
1: government. Speaking of borders reopening, Jason, some good news coming out of Queensland. Anastasia Palaszczuk uh, said that as the nation has now passed the 70% double vaccination rate, that borders are going to reopen early.
0: Yes, in fact, uh, earlier this week, Queensland uh, passed that 70% double vaccination mark and it opened its border to some fully vaccinated travellers from interstate hotspots. And that meant that they didn't have to go into hotel quarantine anymore. They could actually go into their homes and quarantine there. So that's a big thing for people trying to get into Queensland. Uh, so we are looking at that date of the 17th of December for the proper border reopening. And that's when people from New South Wales, where Sydney is, and you know whether it's Northern Territory and other parts of Australia can come into Queensland. But, yeah, there is talk that if the vaccination rates continue to do quite well, then maybe that will be reopening a few days earlier. Uh, You know, there are a few rules about um, coming into Queensland. You must be fully vaccinated, which means you've waited two weeks since your second dose of the vaccine. You'll also need to pass a a COVID test, return a COVID negative test within 72 hours of your arrival, before 72 hours of your arrival into Queensland. And so there's a few other things. You've got to get a border pass. So it's um, just flying in at the moment, not driving into Queensland as yet. But, you know, little steps, one step after the other. Let's hope we get back to normal life, at least some semblance of it here in Queensland, where the mask mandates have now finished. So, you know, I've just been walking around uh, my area of Brisbane and people aren't wearing masks. I mean, a few people are. But not many people are. So it's uh, I think it's a temporary reprieve for Queensland, because once the borders reopen on the 17th of December or before, we'll see, you know, hundreds of thousands of people potentially coming in from other states to enjoy the sunshine state and have a great holiday here. And that means that our low uh, COVID rates will probably, you know, be spiked and we're going to have a lot of cases on a daily basis.
1: A little bit of normalities being restored. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way out in Brisbane, catching up with the latest headlines from Down Under. Jason, with Christmas just around the corner, it is the best time to buy toys. But in Australia, the toy warehouse workers have gone on strike ahead of the holidays.
0: Yes, Adrian, we're only uh, less than 40 days away from Christmas. I know the Christmas decorations are up on Orchard Road in Singapore. We're hearing Christmas carols. It's the same thing here as well. But um, toll warehouse workers, including at Kmart's largest distribution centre, are striking indefinitely, citing the cost of living pressures in a fight for pay rises of up to 8%, which threatens the supply chain of major consumer brands ahead of Christmas, You know, around 1,000 workers rejected a pay rise offer of between 2.25% and 2.5%, set up picket lines at seven toll warehouses across New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. I mean, their feeling is, Adrian, that, you know, they supported these companies, you know, these um, supermarkets and department stores during the pandemic. And, you know, they didn't really get a, a cut of the action as far as... Uh, you know, getting um, a slice or a reward, you know, a slice of the action, because these department stores have done really, really well over the last two years because we've really consumed a lot from department stores uh, and they kept working through difficult conditions. So now they've walked off the job and that threatens the supply of toys to big um, department stores like Kmart ahead of Christmas. So it doesn't seem like there's any resolution soon. So it's going to be a bit difficult maybe to find your favorite toy.
1: Yeah, let's hope all that clears up soon so that uh, kids can be happy at Christmas, because it'll be a real shame if this strike continued all the way till Christmas. But hopefully it clears up soon. What about red meat prices? They're predicted to rise for the next 18 months. I know plant-based supplements have been, you know, creating a wave all around the world. But With red meat prices, what's going to happen here?
0: Well, look, I know people in Singapore love their Australian red meat. They buy them in the supermarkets there, whether it's cold storage or or somewhere else. But the chief executive of agribusiness and pastoral group Elders expects inflationary pressures on red meat prices to last for at least 18 months because demand is outstripping supply and Australia's herds are being rebuilt. Mark Allison is the man from Elders. And, you know, he's saying that uh, get used to higher prices uh, for red meat, you know, whether it's, um, you know, lamb or beef, because they're going to continue to rise. Uh, You know, luckily, uh, I don't eat red meat. I used to when I was a kid. Uh, But people are complaining that um, the cost of things in supermarkets is getting a lot higher. For me, I actually think prices are very reasonable in supermarkets in Australia compared to Singapore. I think uh, they are a bit cheaper here. There is more uh, selection. You know, there's also more room as you walk around the supermarket compared to Singapore. So they're complaining a bit about it. Uh, But, yeah, this is something I guess we've got to get used to. Higher red meat prices for a year and a half at least. And perhaps we're going to see that also in the stores in Singapore.
1: Let's just hope the the next 18 months will also bring about the end of COVID. Let's wrap up the segment with a sports update, Jason. We'll focus on Australia's T20 World Cup win first. They went to it as, well, let's say underdogs, which you wouldn't often associate that term with an Australian cricket team. The first time they've won the T20 World Cup, what was the reaction like back home?
0: I think everyone was very surprised that Australia won the T20 World Cup for the first time. You know, we... Didn't have a best um, lead into the tournament, and we actually lost to England in, in the group stages, but we beat New Zealand in the final uh, earlier this week, and uh, the, you know, the players really celebrated. They were wearing ski goggles, um, you know, when the, they were back on the flight. Um, you know, they were partying on their way as they uh, won that big match in Dubai. It was a, a really good performance, and there's a player called Mitchell Marsh, who was the hero for Australia, along with David Warner, And Mitchell Marsh was a player that the fans used to hate. (laughs) And he even actually spoke about that. They felt that he wasn't really good enough for the team, but he was the man of the match in this uh, victory over the brave uh, New Zealand side. And a lot of people didn't expect them to win, including Darren Sammy from the West Indies. He actually tweeted he didn't see them becoming the champion team in the tournament. They've silently gone under the radar, but they came up with the goods every time. So there's a lot of uh, congratulations from different people across cricket. I know that you like your cricket, Adrian, just like I do. I know Singapore isn't so much into cricket, but this was a very big moment, uh, you know, to win the T20 World Cup. That's the 20-over format that we see in the Indian Premier League, the IPL. Very uh, unexpected, but uh, everyone's very happy about it.
1: Yeah, what a performance from Mitchell Marsh. Also, David Warner, who was written off before the tournament as being, you know, old and, uh, you know, not really having it anymore, but pulled out a player of the series performance. And what a way to silence his critics as well. Truly a remarkable achievement for Aaron Finch and his men over in Dubai. Last thing, Jason, the uh, the National Rugby League players, they're in the spotlight um, having uh, refused to get vaccinated ahead of the 2022 season. You interviewed uh, Melbourne Storm legend Cameron Smith. What did you guys talk about?
0: Yeah, Cameron Smith is uh, just a really big name of rugby league. He's actually 38 years old and he's just retired from rugby league. He played 19 seasons for the Melbourne Storm played over 400 games of rugby league which is incredible the most by any player in history so i actually sat down with him for my Logan City radio show and uh, he was speaking about um, you know vaccination for players because the national rugby league is a bit different to the afl the australian football league in saying that it's up to the player's choice to get vaccinated Uh, Rather than the AFL, which is saying you must have double vaccination before the start of the season. So actually, Cameron Smith told me that, look, even if players don't want to get vaccinated, they're not going to be able to enter stadiums because the state laws, whether it's in Victoria or in Queensland, forbids people to participate in things where there are other people around unless they have double vaccination so this is what we spoke about, and uh, we are seeing quite a few people within the National Rugby League players saying, I don't want to get vaccinated. So this is a whole new can of worms. Luckily, Adrian, we have a, you know, maybe three or four months before the new season gets underway, but it's something they have to sort out very, very soon because – it's going to pose all sorts of problems as we head towards 2022.
1: Yeah, let's hope everything uh, sorts itself out and the fans can look forward to a fantastic season ahead. Always a pleasure speaking to you, Jason, and have a great rest of the week. And I look forward to catching up with you soon.
0: Thank you very much, Adrian. And by the way, that heavy rain for Brisbane never came like I was talking about that last week. But there is flooding in western New South Wales with people being evacuated. So uh, watch out for that. We may be talking about that next week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.